Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Whitley Nicely. She is a real estate investor. Her website is WhitleyNicely.com, and she calls herself Whitney Buys Houses. Welcome to the show, Whitney. Thanks for having me, Jordan. This is going to be fun. So let's just start with your background. It's kind of an unusual background as far as being a real estate investor. Uh, you got out of school in, in Tennessee, and you had immediate success with no problems whatsoever. Is that right? <laughs> Not exactly. I'm a fourth-generation entrepreneur, and I rode around on my mom's coattails for hmm, longer than I should have until I started getting into real estate myself. Okay. So let's kind of start. You got out of college. The first thing you tried to do was to be a real estate agent. And how did that go? It was terrible. Real estate agents work really hard. And they've got a lot of people to answer to. And they just don't make that much money. And I, I thought it was the shortcut to riches and fame. So what went wrong? Why, why did it not work for you? A lot of real estate agents make a lot of money. My first listing was very storybook. It was perfect. Nothing went wrong. And I only made 1200 bucks. And then my next one was an absolute disaster. We listed it at 199 Nothing happened. We dropped it to 169 and immediately had a bite on it. Uh, we got under contract for 159 Then when it came time to do the inspection, there was about $1,500 worth of work that needed to be done. And my seller refused to do it. So the deal fell apart. And then three months later, we were still hanging out at 169 and nothing else had happened. So he called me one day and he was like, let's drop it to 129. And I was like, dude, I had a contract at 159 and you wouldn't do $1,500. Now you want to drop it $30,000? Nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. So, you're good meaning you're bad, meaning you're out. <laughs> I, I, I left that one right where it sat. I let my contract expire on it, and I let it fizzle out. And to my knowledge, he still has that house. I see. So what did that teach you about being a real estate agent? You need to know the bottom dollar going into it, not guessing and hoping and praying that you can get top dollar. But what what would your seller actually take? If I'd known from the very beginning that he would take 129, I would have started it at 139 or 149. Definitely not wasted three months up at 199 or another two or three months at 169. I would have got it sold fast. Uh huh. So anyway, so okay, so that was not a particularly good experience. So then you said you don't want to be a real estate agent anymore. So what was the next move you took uh, to learn about how to do real estate? I got an auctioneer's license because I thought it would be, you know, faster and better to just sell farms and houses and estates at auction instead of fooling with all these other things that could happen. And it just, I, I mean, I had three or four auctions pretty quickly, but they weren't as easy to come by. And I didn't feel as fulfilled at the end of the day because my end goal was to be like my mom. My mom is a real estate investor. She makes monthly money. There's money in the mailbox every single month. And I wanted that. I wanted paychecks every month without having to go and hustle up another deal. So even being a real estate auctioneer didn't give me the freedom that I wanted. So you stopped being a real estate auctioneer after a little while. And then what was the next step after that? I started buying land at auctions. So instead of going to the auction and working it and trying to get a listing or get a sale or something like that, I would actually just go and start buying stuff. 
And that was amazing. Oh my gosh, I had so much fun. I started off just buying land at auction for a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred bucks, like nothing great, big, or elaborate. And then I got into buying houses, and that's when I went broke trying to get rich because I spent all of my money at these auctions buying this real estate, and I didn't have any more money coming in. So what were you doing? What was your plans for buying this uh, raw land for a thousand dollars? What were, how were you going to make money from it? I rent it. I rent it back out. I, I've bought maybe, I've got seven pieces of land right now and I rent three of them. The other four are just buy it and forget about it, hold it until somebody comes through and wants it. Uh -huh. And then okay. I'll make a really solid return. So that's part of it. But then the other part that was more profitable for you was buying homes and renting them out. Is that basically what your strategy was? That's what it was in the beginning. And then I got into lease options. So I could buy houses without using my own money, without using my credit, nothing like that. And I went from two houses and two pieces of land all the way to 14 houses the next year without having to invest any of my own money. So maybe explain how a lease option works for people who may not be familiar with it. Yeah, okay, cool. So a lease option is a really fancy rental agreement that actually gives me the right to lease the house, to rent the house, and to buy it at a certain price that we agree upon today, sometime in the future, usually five or 10 years. So I, I explain like this, we all know people that have a mortgage on our house, right? Or on their house, right? Yes. And so if your friends who have a mortgage, if they decided they wanna rent the house, that wouldn't be a problem, right? Right. Again though, if your friends decided they wanted to sell that house, even though they have a mortgage on it, that wouldn't be a problem, would it? Not necessarily, no. And they have to so, get a buyer. <laughs> yes. So I do both on one piece of paper. I am renting it and buying it at the same time. That's what a lease option is. And they're agreeing to a price that would be profitable for them. Is that right? Or, or are these desperate sellers typically that you're dealing with? Uh, they're not desperate. They're highly motivated, but they're not always motivated by money. Most of the time they're motivated by life. They're too busy to even list the house and deal with all the things that go along with listing the house. They're busy in their job or they don't even live in the same state as the house and they don't want to have to micromanage it or deal with renters or anything like that. They just want money and they don't want any more headaches. And a lot of times this house has been causing a headache. So, you know, I have, I work with people that have inherited a house and they just don't want it. They don't want to move back to mom and dad's house or great aunt. Martha's house. They just don't want it. So I start sending them money every month, which works out because then they don't have to take a big tax hit because they don't get one big lump of money. Uh, the other people that I work with a lot are tired landlords or they're accidental landlords. Like they didn't buy the house planning on renting it. They were living in it. It didn't sell. They moved on and they said, oh, well, we'll just rent it. No big deal. And then that got to be a headache. So some people will rent a house for a while and then when the people move out, it was such a horrible experience. They'll just make payments on an empty house for who knows how long. And so if I can find those people that are making payments on an empty house, I'm a professional tenant. <laughs> I come through and don't have any headaches for them. I don't cause any problems for them. And they can let me make their monthly payment and be buying it for what they owe on it. And a lot of times that's enough for the sellers to say, yeah, go ahead. Let me sign whatever you need. Please take this away from me. So basically, you're getting rid of people's headaches is what it comes down to. Oh, yeah. I'm a problem solver. 
So how do you know how far in advance you're going to buy the house? I mean, is it five years, 10 years? Is there is that set up in the lease option agreement in the beginning? It is. And I always try to get 10 years. If not, I'll take five years with an extension for another five. What, why do you want it to be later rather than earlier? I mean, if you buy it earlier, then you could flip it, right? Well, I don't want to flip it because when you buy a house and you flip it, especially if you do it in less than a year, you have to pay short-term capital gains on it. And yeah. I want to pay, you know, long-term capital gains. I want that monthly income coming in. And think about it like this. If I don't put any money down on the house and I get 10 years to pay it off, there's a good chance that I'll pay it off in 10 years. And then I don't ever have to pay anything for it. I don't ever have to come up with any money or any private money or anything. And I can just keep renting it forever and ever. Amen. So you're saying that the rent that you're paying goes towards the purchase price. Is that right? Yes. So in effect, you're buying the home over ten, five or 10 years. Exactly. And from their point, from the seller's point of view, they're getting income from a house that would otherwise be empty. And they know for sure what they're going to sell the house for at a particular time in the future. Absolutely. We agree. If they owe 120000 on it right now, today, I'll give them 120 and I'll start making their payment for them. And it'll take me five or 10 years to cash out. And that's fine. They usually have, you know, 15 or 20 years left on their mortgage. So they're still going to pay off their house faster than if they were making the payments on it. And now, you know, a lot of people, if you're making payments on an empty house, people skip vacations. They don't upgrade their cars. They can't. I mean, they've budgeted this money going out every month. So when I give them that money back, even if they don't make any money, they feel so much better that it doesn't have to go out anymore. You're taking the expense off of their balance sheet and putting it onto yours, in effect. Exactly, yes. But, and then once you buy these homes in the long run, in five or ten years, what will you tend to do with them? Well, I, I buy them on these lease options, and I sell them on a lease option. So it's a sandwich lease option. So when I sell it, I get people that are going to move in, and they're going to give me money to move in. Then they're going to definitely cover my monthly payment plus three or five hundred dollars or maybe even a thousand dollars a month and then if I buy it for 120 it's probably worth 130 40 or 50 so I'm gonna make a spread of money there also so they're taking you out in five or ten years and meanwhile you're getting income from it I only give my tenant buyers one or two years I see so you're getting out of it quicker than when you're buying it in the first place hopefully I've, out of 57 deals, I've only had one tenant buyer actually cash me out. Most of the time, I get the house back and I get somebody else to give me move-in money and agree to take over the payments again. What can people find at your website before we go to a break here at WhitleyNicely.com uh, to find out about how to invest in real estate? Oh, there's lots of different videos and uh, blogs and all sorts of fun stuff on WhitneyNicely.com. And you can join my Facebook group. I do daily tips and tricks there. And so do you actually do mentoring and coaching to people who want to learn about real estate? Yes, I do. I've got students all over the country that do these sandwich lease options. We call them slows, sandwich lease options with Whitney. <laughs> I see. Very good. All right. Well, we're going to find out more about this after the break. My guest this hour is Whitley, Whitney Light Nicely. It's kind of a, a lot to say sometimes. Uh, her website is WhitneyNicely.com. Uh, she's become the queen of real estate in Tennessee, and she's going to teach you about how to do real estate deals as well. We'll be back after this.
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Whitney Nicely. Uh, She is a real estate expert uh, in buying and selling homes and doing lease options. Her website is WhitneyNicely.com. Welcome back to the show, Whitney. So uh, let's talk about how you find the properties uh, that you want to do a lease option on. Well, you have to be very specific on who you're looking for, and every property won't fit. We're really looking for the right kinds of sellers. So as I mentioned in the first segment, we're looking for people that have inherited a house. So say you grew up in the middle of nowhere, and then you moved to the big city, and then you know mom and dad passed, maybe your aunt and uncle passed. You're not going to go back to the middle of nowhere and live in their little old house anymore. You're just going to sell it and be done with it. So I look for a lot of people that used to live in my honey hole, and they've inherited properties there, but they don't want them. And Instead of getting an offer of you know 50 cents on the dollar, I can give them closer to 90 cents on the dollar. All they got to do is give me time. And that's how we start to work out a lease option or an owner financing deal if it's free and clear. So the are you second, doing these uh, like off the multiple listing service or how do you find them? I mean, this is what you're looking for, but how do you find the specific deals? So we've got 14 different ways we find these inherited properties or tired landlords. One way is that we send out direct mail. So we send out a yellow letter that says, hey, uh, I want to buy your house. Call me if you want to get rid of it quickly. And I am a broker for Whitney Buys Houses. It is a real estate firm in Tennessee and Georgia. So I have to clarify that I'm an agent, but I don't want to list it. I just want to buy it. I'm an investor. So we send those letters out. We also do bandit signs. But the best way I've found to get these motivated sellers is to be mouthy on Facebook. And so I'm always, every day, on my personal page on Facebook, I don't pay for boosted ads or uh, sponsored ads or any of that stuff. I educate and entertain my friends and family on Facebook. And every week, 
probably I'll have three or four people connect me with somebody else because of something that I've said or uh, some pictures that I've posted or something that has let them know who I'm looking for, what I'm looking for, and how quickly I can move on this property. It, does Wait. it have to be near where you are or, or, or can you do it anywhere in the country? You can do it anywhere in the country. I have a honey hole in East Tennessee that I like to buy in, and I'm a big fish in a small pond in about three different subdivisions. <laughs> so I uh, I kind of rule the roost in those little neighborhoods, but that's okay because then I get to make sure that my property values are staying level where I want them to, my rent rates are staying where I want them to, and gosh, it's just so much easier when you have three or four houses in one subdivision. That way, if you need you know, some, if you need the handyman to go look at something, he's not running all over the countryside. He can go look at three or four houses in an afternoon and it's just more convenient for him. Another thing is if I have to turn the power on or get the water turned on, I only have to go to one utility place to do that. I don't have to go all over the countryside again, trying to get the power turned on in my name. It's just so, so that much what you easier. Would recommend? You, you would yes. recommend the same yes. thing, not to go out, but to do it where you're located, basically. Right. And I, I talk to a lot of people that are new. They don't have a huge rental portfolio. They really want to get their first deal done. And so if that's the case, you know, you're still really excited. You're still really nervous. You still want to drive your kids by. You want to drive your mom by the house. Sometimes you want to impress your date and drive them by the house that you just bought. And it's a lot easier if you can do that without having to drive or fly out of your way. So a lot of what you're doing is negotiation, is making the seller feel comfortable oh, yeah. you're going to make the payments. I mean, they're turning over their house to you ultimately, mm -hmm. and they have to feel comfortable you're going to be making the payments. So how do you negotiate that way to get a complete stranger to trust you to take over their house and make payments? Uh, well, most of the time I give them what they want. <laughs> it's really easy to negotiate if you give them everything that they want. You know, if they're, if they're asking a high price, I'll give them a high price. All they got to do is give me some time. And after we've been together for two or three or five years, I don't have a problem getting them to extend for another three or four or five years. So we could turn this, you know, short relationship into a long-term relationship. And that's what it's about. Another thing that you can do is if you say you're going to call somebody back at a certain time, if you say you're going to be there to look at their house at a certain time, all of those little things, all those little micro commitments, when you start to really hammer in on those and fulfill them, your trust factor goes up a whole lot. So and being so, reliable and consistent makes a difference. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Now, are you competing with other people in your area doing the same kind of uh, strategy? So you have to kind of outcompete them somehow? No, I found that most of my competition was going to West Knoxville or to Fountain City, which is another little, you know, yuppie neighborhood in Knoxville. And so I went the direct opposite. I was the only person out in my little play box making these offers. I wasn't competing against all the, you know, good old boys with really deep pockets. I was the only one these sellers were talking to. And it's a lot easier if you're only competing against yourself. So you'd recommend the same thing, go to an area where you're the only one making these offers? Absolutely. If there's a high flip rate, if there's a lot of permits being pulled in one area, go somewhere else. It's a lot easier to get started out where you're not under so much pressure. And then after you've done three or four or 15 deals, then come back in and you've already got experience, your confidence is up. 
and your track record is better. You've got referrals if people are nervous. It's just so much better, I think, to you know head to the country, get some deals done, and then come back into the big old city. So you've got about 14 deals now, is that right? 14 houses you're actually uh, owning or in the process of buying? No, I've got 19 houses, and I've got 19. about seven of them free and clear. So I've got 12 under a slow, a sandwich lease option. And then I've got 19 apartments and I've got seven chunks of land, but I've done 57 creative financing deals in the last three years. So what is Whitney nicely going to look like five and 10 years from now? Are you going to have like a thousand houses? How big are you going to get? I would love to have a hundred doors and whether that's apartments and houses or just apartments, that's, that's where I'm going is a hundred doors free and clear. That would be awesome. And as soon as I can get there, I'm going to become a mom. I see. But you do the houses first, then the mom part. That's right. So I can be a full-time mom and not have to worry about getting a job or, no, we can't do this because I got to go to work or what's my 401k going to look like? No, 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 no. Getting all that situated and then becoming a mom. So when you own these houses free and clear, you're going to hold on to them and rent them. Is that the idea? That's your income? Yep. You're not planning on selling them for profits, particularly? No. My mom told me that sell was a bad four-letter word. <laughs> but you still have, do you use a property management firm at that point? Or you're going to have to chase people for their rents. Oh, I don't chase anybody. I give my tenant buyers and my renters, uh, they get my bank account. So they go by the bank and make a deposit. And it's up to them to make sure that it's very clear which property address that payment should go towards. And I get a spreadsheet on the 14th and it tells me who was late who didn't pay and who I need to, you know, text to find out what's going on. And usually by the 15th or 16th, everybody is paid up. I see. So you don't have to chase them too hard then. They're typically on time. What if somebody is really gets very late? Have you ever had to evict anybody? Yeah, I had to evict one guy and that wasn't a big deal. I just sent my attorney an email and he did the rest of the paperwork. We showed up at court just because I wanted to see what was going on. And we got the eviction like in a month and it was really not a big deal. Uh -huh. So it's the same thing, but are you checking out your renters to make sure they're legitimate? Oh, yes. or? When I screen tenants because I do sandwich lease options and I'm essentially trying to make sure these people are going to be able to buy the house within a year or two, I do a full background check. So we do an employment verification, a credit check, a past landlord experience, a debt-to-income ratio, and a criminal history report. I know everything about them besides their underwear color by the time that they move in. And that's, you know, the government requires me to do a third-party check on these people, and it benefits them so that I make sure they can make the payments and make sure that if they get their credit improved, because I usually have people with bad credit that move into my houses, but if they get their credit improved, they should be able to get a mortgage within a year or two. So that's the the plan is a year or two they've been paying rent consistently that that rent is going towards the purchase price and their credit's going to be good enough so they'll be able to get a mortgage to buy you out at that time in a year or two. Right, but only part of their rent goes towards the purchase price. The whole thing doesn't go towards it. How, how much of it does? Usually 5 or 10%. I see. It depends so it's a pretty on small how much amount. Yeah. yeah, it depends on how much they give me to move in. It depends on how much extra they want to pay every month. And that's what's really cool about lease options. You get 10 or 15, I've gotten $40,000 for people to move into my house. 
and then they gladly pay an extra 100 or 200 or I've had people pay up to $300 extra every month and then apply the extra straight towards their purchase price. So it gives you extra cash flow and that, that 40000 is in effect their down payment. No, it's not a down payment because I'm not a mortgage broker. It's a non-refundable option fee, which gives them the right to be able to buy the property within a year or two. And the lady that gave me the $40,000, she gave me forty grand and paid six months in advance. And then on the seventh month, she was like, hey, I didn't get a job, so I don't have anything to pay rent this month. And I was like, well, what are you going to do? She said, well, my sister just bought a house in South Carolina, so I'm going to move to South Carolina with her. <laughs> and I was so like, you just got okay. to keep the money. Basically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it's non-refundable, you're saying. That's right. I see. All right, well, that sounds like a pretty good deal. And then you just rent the house again. I had, so she moved out in the seventh month. In the eighth month, I had somebody give me $10,000 to move in. And they paid extra, over, $100 extra over what I was asking for rent payments every month. And they've already left also. So I've got this house empty. It was $100,000 okay. and I've already collected 50000 in non-refundable option fees. Plus extra money every month for a year and I've still got the house. What, what if people get to the two-year mark and their credit is not good enough that they can't uh, qualify for a mortgage? They usually just leave. You don't have to evict them or anything. Most of the time they're not going to even make it to two years. They'll just leave in the meantime. They'll text you and say, hey, uh, you know, we found another house on the other side of town or, hey, we got a job transfer or, hey, our mom passed and we're going to move back into her house because it's free. Thanks. This was fun. So and that doesn't leave. bother you at all because it gives you a chance to rewrap the house. Exactly. And, you know, I gave them the opportunity to buy the house and it's never the house or the opportunity as to why they leave. It's always something to do with their life. Something in their life changes and the house just doesn't suit them anymore, and they just leave. Very good. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Whitney Nicely. Uh, her website is WhitneyNicely.com. She teaches people the same strategies we're talking about as far as uh, lease options uh, and other ways of buying real estate and renting uh, so that you can build up a huge portfolio and become a mom, I guess is the idea. <laughs> yes. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. 
My guest this hour is Whitney Nicely. Uh, she is a real estate expert. Uh, she has her sign that says Whitney Buys Houses. And you can find out more about her at her website, which is WhitneyNicely.com. Welcome back to the show, Whitney. Yay, this is going to be a fun third round. <laughs> so who is this appropriate for, uh, a strategy as far as buying houses through lease options you're talking about, uh, compared to, say, investing in the stock market, which is completely passive. You don't have to be an expert. You just kind of go along for the ride. What, what, what is appropriate for which kind of people? I think if you like to control your future, if you like to be able to touch your future, you need to be in real estate because in the stock market, I don't care how good your stockbroker is or how tight you are with TD Ameritrade or whatever, you're still handing your money over to somebody else. Whereas if you buy houses, you can actually drive by it, you can touch it, you can bulldoze it if you need to, or you can you know, put some lipstick on that pig and sell it. What happens if the real estate market turns down? Like for example, in 2008, I know you, you were just getting started then, but say the real estate values fall sharply where you are, uh, how would that affect you? Hang on, buddy. Just keep going. It'll be fine. They come back up. Everything's a roller coaster ride. And if you're afraid of that, you'll probably be afraid to get in the car and drive to the grocery store, too. So just know that it's going to be a roller coaster ride and get on and go for it. I, I mean, also, if we talk about the real estate market crashing, the stock market crashed then, too. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Now, you had talked about 14 different ways. We can't get to all of them. But what are some of the other ways that you do to, to find deals beyond what you had talked about? I love Zillow. So Zillow is a website where people will post their house for sale. And if you can look at the for sale by owners on Zillow, you'll find a lot of deals there. And it's also a really great way to get ahead of the agents, get ahead of the wholesalers, and sometimes get ahead of the uh, good old boys club investor in your area. All you got to do is go and set up a notification so that anytime anything hits Zillow in your area, you'll get a little pop-up on your phone. And I know y'all are checking your phones. So you'll know what's for sale. And then what do you do? Say something that looks good to you. Do you uh, visit the place? you call them? What, what do you do once you see something that looks appropriate? You call them and I sent you a welcome packet. In that welcome packet, there's two seller lead sheets. One is a little bit more buttoned up. And the other one is a little bit more loosey-goosey. So one of them is my husband's seller lead sheet, and the other one is mine. And I'll let you guess which one is which. But you follow the seller lead sheet, and it'll guide you through the conversation as to what you need to ask the sellers, which one, what you need to say, and how you need to phrase it so that you can go through the conversation to even decide if it's worth getting in the car to go look at. So just go through some of the questions that you would ask a potential seller. I want to know if it's listed because if the house is listed, I am not interested in it. You call me when it expires and I'll talk to you then. I don't want to know anything about it because I don't want to get in the middle of another agent's work. Or you're competing against other potential buyers that way. You if are. Most yeah. of the time, if it's listed, the moment it is listed, it's already gone through two or three ripples in the pond. And yes, it is exciting the moment it's listed, but after it's been on the market for a week, everybody with the internet knows it's for sale. If it's been on there for six months, it's getting kind of old and ratty looking. Okay, so, but the reason you're not interested is you think the price is too high if it's been, on for, if it's been listed for a while. Well, the reason I don't want to deal with it if it's listed is because I don't want to pay an agent a commission. Uh -huh. I'm like the anti-realtor realtor. <laughs> I don't want to so, pay so you them. You want to deal when... directly with sellers and not, exactly. not deal with an agent. So 
I mean, if I'm trying to buy or sell a house, then there's probably two agents in between me and my buyer and my seller. And if you've ever played the telephone game, words and stuff get kind of mixed up pretty quick. And so the the least people I can have in the middle of my transaction, the better off it's going to be for everybody. So the commission it saves the seller money, and it also saves you money if saves you don't have a. <laughs> yeah, on both sides, on the buying and the selling side. Absolutely, and with so the you internet, not... you don't you don't need agents like you used to. You can put a house up on the internet. You can put a sign in the yard, and I know agents are important, but for investors, agents are specialized and a lot of investors don't use agents because they have you know some of these 14 different ways to find properties themselves and they don't want anything on the mls because they know by the time it hits the mls it's a little wore out there's probably a lot of other people that have already looked at it as a pocket listing or before it even hit the mls okay so, so you must not be very popular with the agents in town no they hate me <laughs> and you're proud of it that's good I mean, I just, I don't play their game and they don't play mine. They don't understand it. And that's fine. They have a purpose. It's just, I'm not their ideal client. Yeah. Okay. So going to Zillow, what are some of the other ways you find these houses? Craigslist. I bought a triplex off of Craigslist because they didn't want to list it with anybody. And I've set up a search on Craigslist to send me emails every day. When something hits my criteria in my zip code, I get an email and I get to decide if I want to call those people or not. And so I called them and we worked out a deal. I bought a triplex for $89,000 and raised the rent on it. I get five fifty a month for three units which is a lot better than buying a house for 89000 and only getting 800 a month. <laughs> I see, because you're getting it from three apartments that way. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so Craigslist is good. What are some other ways? H how about beyond the internet? Do you put out uh, flyers or uh, billboards? How, how else do you get the word out that you're buying houses? You can put out bandit signs, which are those signs by the side of the road and at four-way stops that say, I buy houses, I buy houses cash, blah, 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 blah. A lot of wholesalers put those signs out, and I do put those out, but mine are pink. They say Whitney buys houses. They fit all the regulations that say I'm an agent and I'm trying to buy your house, blah, blah, blah. But what I found is when I put a bandit sign out trying to get sellers, it doesn't work very well. But if I can put a bandit sign out that says I have a three-bedroom, two-bath for sale in Jefferson City, then I'll have three or four sellers that call me and say, hey, I've got a house in Jefferson City. You want to come buy it? <laughs> so there's a little bit of that, uh, you know, the proof's in the pudding. So when I have something for sale, that's when the sellers want to call me off a bandit sign. Interesting. Interesting. Uh -huh. so but what, yet, what is, you ahead. hit on another one. You can put stuff up in, uh, on bulletin boards. So if you go to a gas station and they've got a deep fryer in the back and there's a bunch of old guys there drinking coffee every morning, you know, that kind of gas station, They've probably got a community bulletin board and you can put a flyer up that says, I buy houses. I'll make you an offer. Call me before you call everybody else. Blah, blah, blah. I teach that. Also, um, you can put something in your email signature. How many emails do you send out a day? And people will get to notice it and they'll click through your website and they'll remember that when they're out living their life. Another thing you can do that's offline is sp uh, sponsor the church's golf tournament or the homecoming event or something to get your name and your logo on all of the church's information that's going out. That way, you know, if you are advertising with a nonprofit, you can count that towards your taxes, which is really fun. 
but you also get to be helping the community at the same time. So I get I get some deals the old and slow way by advertising very locally. And so one seller will lead to another. There's a certain kind of network effect here. Absolutely. It's all word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, who is this appropriate for? You've got to be kind of an outgoing person who wants to get your name and face out there, and you've got to be negotiating. I mean, who, who is this right for? Most of my students actually are six-figure earners. They're professionals in their field, and they're a little bit bored. They know, as well as I do, that they could go to the bank and get a loan, but they would buy one house a year, and it would be old and slow and boring, and we'd have all these obstacles to go through. And they want to get out and talk to these sellers. They want to get these deals going. They want to add, you know, five houses a year to their portfolio, making $500 a month so that they're adding uh, $2,500 a month to their income. Or I have one seller, uh, I mean, one student, I'm sorry. She met a seller who had a house on the vacation rental program. And they just didn't want to be in the vacation rental business anymore. So she bought their house on a lease option. She pays $1,500 a month in a mortgage. And she put the house back into the vacation rental. And it pulls between $10,000 and $15,000 a month. So she's got a really nice positive cash flow for that. Yeah. She's done three deals now. And she averages between twenty dollars and $25,000 a month. She was able to leave to sell her small business and real estate invest full-time. She loves it. So it, 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 you still have to have a kind of an outgoing personality to do this. Yes. It's not my, for everybody. My best students are small business owners or six figures. Like uh, I've got a lady that just started with me. She's a physical therapist, but she doesn't work in like a hospital system. There's, it's a local kind of place. But she sets her own hours. She goes to people's houses. Oh, a lot of traveling nurses are really good at this because they do set their own hours. They're out in the field all the time, and they can set up a seller appointment in between their home visits. Agents, real estate agents actually love me. (laughs) As much as I dog on agents, real estate agents know that they don't want to chase that clear to close for the rest of their life. They want to set up some sort of residual income and they're already in real estate. So it just makes sense to become a real estate investor. Have you ever had a deal that went, went south? Not doing creative financing. I bought a house at an auction one time and I did not look at it. I was not familiar with the part of town it was in and I bought it for 15,000 at auction. When we got the house, my brother and I went to look at it. We were attacked by fleas as soon as we got there. When you walked across the carpet, you could see the water squishing out. And I had a yard crew go to start cleaning it up. And my guy called me and he was like, hey, I'm going to have to hire somebody to come up here and watch this trailer. Somebody tried to steal a chainsaw while we were cutting down a tree. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, no big deal. I'll just come over and watch the trailer. And then I was like, wait a second. What am I going to do if somebody comes and tries to steal a chainsaw while I'm watching? I'm not even nothing. No, forget it. So we ended up putting that house up for sale back at auction and we got $11,000 for it. But it was a $4,000 loss. It's the only property I've lost money on and I didn't get raped or mugged or kidnapped while I was over in the bad part of town. So it's fine. (laughs) What did you learn from that experience? Buy properties in an area where you know where you want to be, where you're comfortable, and look at the properties before you buy them. 
I also was under the impression, because I was young and dumb, that every house had to be at least worth 15000 And I came to find out that that is not true at all. Each house is very individual. <laughs> it's like kids. Every kid has a little bit different personality, and they've definitely got different socials. So houses are the same. They got a little bit different personality. They got a couple different things wrong with each one of them, and they got a different parcel ID. So you have to treat them all individually. And yes, some will be your favorite, <laughs> but we don't want to get too far into that. <laughs> so how do you know if you're not overpaying for a house? I mean, in that case, you overpaid by a small amount. But what if you get wrapped up and the numbers look great and everything's fine and you end up overpaying? Well, most of the time now I don't pay cash for houses, so I'm not going to be in that situation. That was back before I had a plan, before I knew about creative financing, before I knew how to evaluate houses. So I definitely don't encourage anybody to go throw spaghetti against the wall and become a real estate investor like I did. Really do some research. Get a mentor, even if it's not me. When I got a mentor, I went from having no clue and no direction to having a solid plan in place. And then all I had to do was take the next step, go see the next house, make the next offer, sell the next one, and keep on following the plan forever and ever. So talk a little bit about the mentoring that you do. How much do you charge and how do you mentor people all over the country? I have different options. I've got a small mastermind that you can sign up for. It's definitely my high level one. And with that, you can come spend the weekend with me. I've got one-on-one -on -one mentoring that does not include that. And it's just for 12 weeks instead of a year. And usually, I mean, I did my first deal in 12 weeks. I made 15,000 on one deal in eight weeks. Uh, and three weeks later, I had another deal that closed for 8,000. So 23,000 in 12 weeks is a really good turnaround in real estate. And so, you know, a 12-week program is totally cool and totally doable. I've also got a group program. And then if you want to, if you're really motivated, I've got a self-study course that you can just pick up and go with. And all these things are at WhitneyNicely.com, right? Yes, you can book a call with me. We'll do a strategy session because I want to make sure that I give you the right opportunity. I don't want to put somebody, I don't want somebody to join a program that's not actually going to suit them. So we're going to hop on the call and talk about your goals and what you already have going on in life and figure out how I can help you the best. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Whitney Nicely. She, as you can see, is an entrepreneur in the real estate field. Uh, you can find out more about her services and what she offers at her website, WhitneyNicely.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Whitney Nicely. Uh, she is an expert in real estate, kind of self-taught and doing very well in the Tennessee area. Uh, her website to find out more about what she does is WhitneyNicely.com. Welcome back to the show, Whitney. Thanks for having me. Now, in addition to doing real estate, you are kind of the queen of women's entrepreneurs in the country, and you did a book on this called She Conquered the Real Estate, the Real Estate Road. So tell us what was behind that uh, book effort. So that is a compilation of, I think, 12 different women entrepreneurs all across the country. All of us have gone through different struggles in getting our business up and off the ground. And, you know, mine was really because as a woman, as a young lady going in to buy people's houses, I really struggled with people saying, all right, well, this all looks good. But when will your husband be here to negotiate this for real? And at mm -hmm. the time, I didn't have a husband. Or people would say, this is great, but are your parents going to sign off on this? And I was like, no, I'm old enough. I can buy this house. I know what I'm doing. And so I also, when I started, I was paying cash for houses. And in the She Conquered book, I really go into the details of getting really close to losing a whole lot of money. I bought a house one time that was falling down the mountainside, and I didn't even know it until after we closed on it. Um, in fact, leaving the closing table for that house, the seller shook my hand and laughed in my face and said, I'm so glad you got this house. Nobody else in town had offered nearly as much money as you did. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that I guess that's cool. I guess people know something I don't. And so that's when I really got into figuring out strategies and formulas and plans and how to really make this thing happen because obviously somebody had something figured out and I was just winging it. And that is not a good way to get into real estate investing. So you didn't do a, an adequate inspection in that case? Is that what, what, what you prove for the future? I did not do an inspection at all. I did a visual inspection. And when we walked down the steps, my brother was shining his cell phone splash, flashlight around. And he shined it on a snakeskin. And I hightailed myself back up out of that basement and did not go back down. And if I'd stayed for another minute, you would have been able to see sunlight coming in through the cracks in the foundation walls. So we ended up having to put three three walls back in that house um, to make it stop falling down the mountain. I also did not know that houses, I mean, I guess sort of I knew that at some point houses didn't have heat and air, but I didn't know that any of them were still around. Like I thought everybody had retrofitted heat and air and this house did not have central heat and air when we bought it. If you wanted air conditioning, you'd open the windows and if you wanted heat, you'd put some coal in the potbelly stove in the basement with a snakeskin. 
And so I learned a lot. And that going through the She Conquered book, you'll really see a lot of different lessons that I learned and how I was able to keep going through not my greatest moments and still come out okay on the end. So is that still true as far as not respecting you as a woman or have you gotten over that? Oh, gosh. In August, I had a seller, and this hasn't happened to me in a long time. I was looking at his property. We were talking on Facebook, and everything was great. And I said something about making monthly payments. And he was like, yeah, as long as your mom co-signs with you, that should be fine. And this is a friend of my mom's who knows I'm a real estate investor. He sends me messages all the time talking about investing. And I very quickly told him that I was not a child. And that was the end of our conversation. I saw him last weekend at my brother's wedding, and that's what he was laughing about. Now, <laughs> you know, real funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, if if somebody disrespects you, the deal is over, is basically. Yeah, I'm pretty saying. much done at that point. If, if you ask where my husband is to do the negotiation, or in some way or another treat me like a 12 year old, we're done. So, tell me one or two of the other stories from the She Conquered book, and and how that can be inspiring to people. I bought a piece of property at auction for 1500 bucks and turned around and rented the driveway for $250 a month. So within six months, I had all of my investment back and I was making 250 a month. And I know 250 isn't exactly a lot, but now I've had the property for three years. And back this winter, we actually rented the land for $500. So on a $1,500 investment, I get 750 a month, free and clear, no overhead, it's just trees and grass. And so that that's another deal that I go through in She Conquered in a lot more detail. But that that's one of my favorite deals to talk about. And you, you have other women in the book that you've inspired to do their own deals. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> Quite a few of the authors are actually signing up to take my class because entrepreneurs know that eventually someday they want to at least have the option of retiring and they know real estate investing is the best way to do that. So, so they do. Tell me a little, little bit about what some of these women have overcome to become successful real estate investors. In the She Conquered book, a lot of yes. one lady is a doctor and she is doing a lot of speaking engagements and she's around her town a lot. And she got started in the program because people were talking to her about, you know, if I could just get rid of this house, I could pay my medical bills. And so she was able to work out a deal to help them in lieu of exchange for the house. Does that make sense? So you can exchange services as well as money. If, I mean, this is a very specific situation, but if that's something that you're okay with, that would be okay. I, I don't do that. I am real estate and buy the books and whatever my attorney says is basically what I do. But this particular woman, that's what she wanted to do. So I helped her make it happen. Okay. And just give another story or two from the book on how people can be inspired by these people didn't, didn't know how to do it. And now I've learned how to do it. Well, one lady out of the book, well, the ladies that contributed to that book each had their own hurdle to get out of. And I was the real estate person in that book. So after we had our book launch, and our big party and stuff, that's when they came to me to find out about real estate. The other ladies don't aren't weren't in real estate when they wrote their chapter of the book. Mm. They, they all had different things that they conquered. Um, one lady, one lady had been in jail. Uh, another lady had lost a child. Like 
the the chapters of the book are all about different women and their struggles and things that they conquered to set up their entrepreneurial journey. So what is the common theme that they use to overcome whatever struggles they were dealing with? Persistence. <laughs> Just to keep going, whatever it is. I tell people all the time that I, I'm in East Tennessee. I'm in the thick of the Bible Belt. And here, being a Proverbs 31 woman is like what we all want to be. But Proverbs 31, 16 says that she goes to inspect a field and she buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. So to me, you can't be a Proverbs 31 woman without being a real estate investor and then planning generational wealth with your earnings. And so that that's the verse that I really based mine off of. That's what I based my program off of. You'll see Proverbs 31, 16 all over the place when I'm talking. <laughs> So, so you're saying that people who have been hurt by something or had some kind of a tragedy can overcome it no matter how dark it seems using your techniques. You have to keep going. That's the basis of everything. If you quit, you'll never know how far you could have gone. You'll never know how close you were to succeeding. So you have to keep going. Absolutely. In about the two minutes we have left, what difference will it make in people's lives to follow what you've learned compared to what they're doing now? A lot of people don't understand real estate and people have told them that it's really complicated and it takes a lot of money and it takes a lot of time. And most of the people that are spreading those dirty rumors somehow get benefited. And I mean the government, the media, all sorts of people that tell you that real estate is complicated and that you need good credit. They want you to think that because they benefit from that. If you have crappy credit, you're going to pay more for a mortgage. You're going to pay more for credit cards. You're going to pay more for everything. My students aren't even really in the position that they have crappy credit, but they understand that they don't want everybody pulling their credit to, you know, let them buy this house. Or if you buy 10 houses and you have 10 mortgages, a bank may not let you keep going and buying more. So if you don't have mortgages in your name, if you are doing lease options and then paying off houses so that you have free and clear houses, there's no limit. Nobody's going to tell you, oh, no, you've got enough. You can keep going and not have to worry about lots of other complicated situations. And this is something most people don't know about because it's not kind of the traditional real estate of, as you say, getting mortgages, going through multiple listing, dealing with a real estate agent. You're kind of going outside that whole traditional system. And it's a lot more fun out here on the outskirts. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Whitney Nicely. As you can see, she's got a lot of interesting ideas about how you can uh, do real estate transactions kind of alternative ways without having to go through traditional financing and traditional real estate agents. And she's been quite a success at it. So thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Whitney. Thanks for having me, Jordan. This is great. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.